What's up, dude? What up, buddy? How you doing today? I'm good, man. How you feeling? Can't complain. It's a gloomy day here in California, but all is good, bro. Nothing gloomy done. day here in New York City. How's it? Is it crazy in LA or, or well, aren't OC? Well, I'm where not you are? really LA, so I, I yes. can't complain. Orange County is much more back to life than like LA. LA, the numbers are still rising. Orange County, we're doing good. Kids back in school. Like we're 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 moving and grooving here. Have you been to the beach there yes, lately? Like I was the- I was at the beach two days ago. Is everyone wearing masks or are they not wearing masks? No, not on the beach itself, but no, everyone's but I, like spread out and stuff. Yeah, but I feel like you see the videos and everyone like screaming at people like it's like very, very So like um, if you go into one of the stores, you have to wear a mask. But sure. like to physically sit on the beach, no, no one's in masks there. But no. again, everyone's spaced out along the shoreline so like there's no one on top of us and you know my kids can play in the sand and they're not like on top of other kids all that kind of stuff so it i don't feel nervous or like uncomfortable at any moment yeah let's all right enough of the mask talk i'm just like everyone talking about what's it like there what's it like there (laughs) let's get to the real shit dax few weeks ago, a couple months ago, we were talking about Britney Spears. You're explaining what's going on in Britney Spears. And we were trying to say, you know, the big thing was free Britney. Should we, mm-hmm. you know, should let her father let her loose? What's going on there? Britney's been posting some crazy videos Dude, on Instagram. I, 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 I don't even know what to say. I So <laughs> I literally send every video that Britney posts over to Adam. I'm like, you got to watch this one. You got to watch this one because they're they're bizarre. They're getting more and more bizarre. Like her, like she has a, what is it? Like a photo studio inside of her house now, like a white backdrop that she sets up her camera and she sets it up at this like really high angle shooting down on her. And then she just shows up in like bikinis and dances around. And then she does the, the setup in her front door where she's just dancing to music. It's so weird. And I don't know. The makeup is, yeah, her makeup is like very, it's not on well. It's kind of like, it's like, it's like she's already sweated off half of her eyeliner, right? Like that's what it looks like. So it's just kind of like drooping down her eyes. But there's never a point where you see the eyeliner look good. It's always just half off. (laughs) And her hair's always a mess. And listen, this is the Britney that we've seen for a long time. But I'm also like, stop posting Britney. Like you're looking kind of cray cray. Yeah, is it? But now do you think people are starting to support her father and be like, you know what, maybe her father has the best intentions, you know, controlling her estate because of these videos. Does it help his cause or are we still about Free Britney? I think he gets a really bad rap. I really do. I think that everyone is like, oh, he's he just wants her money. He just the guy doesn't want her money. I, I think that the money is a nice side effect to the amount of work you're putting in. But. What I know of Jamie Spears, that man does not want to be in L.A. That man wants to be in Louisiana fishing, not giving a fuck about life. Really. I don't think that he is about money. I think he is a old town country boy that would love to be out of L.A., but he cares about his daughter. So he's here trying to figure out her freaking life because she's she's kind of cuckoo. You know what I'm saying? Like, she has mental problems we all know that that's not like a surprise here we know that she has struggled mentally for a long time um and i think she needs someone holding her hand unfortunately that's the long the short of it yeah and you know what now i'm starting to think like where is kevin federline like where is he with all he's this you know his kids, kids there no he so takes care of the kids full time or all yes. the time or yes the kids are with him 
Wow. So the she, I mean, she, I'm sure she has some visitation rights, but the kids are just never with Brittany at all, or I mean, at no, least like overnight. Not. Or no. how does that work? I know. I think they. She, like you said, she has visitation, but those kids live primarily with Kevin Federline. Wow. So I'm surprised. Any chance we get Kevin on the podcast? Uh, that'd it. be. I think, yeah. I think he's got his hands full because he's got his two kids with her. Then he's got the. I think it's two kids with Shar. Then he's got, I think, another two kids with Victoria. He's a busy dude. Yeah. Got a lot of kids running around. And you know what? Here's the thing. Say what you want about Kevin Farline. He's actually a good dad. You can say that. Like, the kids, he's... We thought Kevin Federline was going to be some guy, at least I did, who's going to, like, love the attention, want the attention, was being... But it seems like he's, like, staying quiet. He had had to mature out. You know what I'm saying? Like... He put himself into a situation where he he needed to start focusing on kids and not being a reality star and being like a name. So, and he he does a good job. Yeah, yeah. give him that. Um, we got a good podcast today, my friend, my buddy Kenny Santucci from MTV's The Challenge is on the podcast today. But before what, we get what, to, what, I like that we get all these like road rules, real world challenge people we've had. Who have we had? We had Mark Long. We've had bananas. Johnny Bananas. You know what it is? It's when these shows were a big part of our kind of growing up. You know, because these shows were very big at the time. But yep. and now when they still do the show, the shows don't really they don't hold their weight like they used to. Um, so we kind of grew up with them in some ways. So we have a, a special, special connection to these heart. people. Exactly. <laughs> so before we get to Kenny, uh, we run one of the easiest contests out there. Uh, all you got to do is leave a five star and a good review on our iTunes and you can win a prize. And we were working on our friends at Park. Uh, at our, we were working with our friends at Primetime Signatures Autograph City on Facebook. We were giving out celebrity autographs. We had people like John Travolta, Matt Damon, Paris Hilton. We were sending out autographs, big names to uh, some of our listeners. This uh, past few months, we've been working with uh, a CBD company, one of the best CBD companies out there, Sun River Botanicals. Make sure you follow them on Instagram. They, if you're into the CBD world, make sure you check them out. And if you leave a review, you can win a $360 prize. Thanks to our friends at Sun River Botanicals. Dax, Who's this week's winner? All right, scrolling through our reviews. Okay, here's one. Uh, this one is from Chakon. I think I said that right. Chakon. <laughs> <laughs> so they loved the Allie Brook interview. Uh, Chakon said the Allie Brook interview was the first podcast I could actually sit through out of any podcast ever. Great interview. Lots of exclamation points. I like that. I like hearing that. People will listen to our podcast and they're not even podcast fans. That's really cool to me. I don't know. I, Very I cool. like that. So and they gave Chuck us a five star review. Thanks, Chuck Han. Chuck There's Han. a lot of A's and N's in that name. So yeah, and I Chuck Han. Like uh, make sure you DM me. DM me on social media at Adam Glenn. I will make sure you get hooked up with Sun River Botanicals to get your CBD. And maybe I'll even hook you up with uh, Allie Brooke. And maybe you guys could maybe be the one to uh, first. All right, never mind. Uh, this is a podcast. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> By the way, I got to say, I love that. So we do this huge interview and we break all this news. And then three weeks later, I start seeing other outlets. I won't name by name, but doing our story three weeks later basically as exclusive as exclusive I'm like come on really guys you had the story now you're gonna come on 
now you're reaching. Now you're reaching. Um, but well, yeah, uh, that you was inter- you introduce your friend because you obviously know Kenny really well. So l- you right. do the intro today. So you want me to do the intro? I could do the intro. I, I, this I guy, just think that he's your buddy. So he is my buddy. Like because we, if you, you'll hear we call each other buddies a lot. Kenny's the big buddy guy. Everything's buddy, buddy. Hey, buddy. Uh, our guest today is an OG when it comes to the MTV Challenge Television Show as being one of the best competitors in the show's history. He's now a fitness trainer and a host based in New York City, and runs the very successful brand, Strong New York. Our guest today, Kenny Santucci. It's good to have my trainer on the show. What's up, Kenny? (laughs) To the stars, as you can see, are in Hollywood, in New York City. And around the world, Adam Glenn. Yes, trainer, trainer to the stars. It's me and Dale Moss from The Bachelorette. That's uh, that we're lucky to have Kenny. Kenny, oh, he's one of the best trainers out there. He's got a huge, great following with Strong New York. It's just cool, and you know, a lot of people hurt during the pandemic, but Kenny was one of the people that was able to kind of turn the pandemic and make it very profitable for his business, but also make a really, really cool community because, you know, a lot of these gyms closed down, Dax, in New York. So everyone was looking mm-hmm. for a place to work out. People are doing these these shitty virtual workouts in their, in, their, in their studio apartment, and it sucks, and they don't have the weights. And Kenny made the investment into getting a few dumbbells and weights and just kept on building on some gyms that were kind of losing their business and unfortunately going under. And started doing these outdoor workouts that were safe and people started to come and come and now it's it's huge it's like he made his own barry's boot camp essentially and it's his own brand strong new york and kenny santucci and it's it's a great community kenny i'm, I'm kissing your ass here bud buddy i appreciate it just keep going i, I didn't want to stop <laughs> <laughs> that that sounded more like licking not even kissing yeah. anymore that was getting pretty deep there bud yeah yeah, yeah. but obviously you know, Dax and I, Kenny, we all hung out at Tony Robbins uh, a little more than a year ago. Uh, so that's when Dax and Kenny first got to meet. Uh, but Kenny's one of those guys who's been around for a while. Uh, we first saw him, you know, I guess we first got to see you on MTV The Challenge uh, and MTV. How did you, what, let's start before MTV The Challenge. You were, were you in college at the time or what were you doing? Yeah, so I was, um, I was. Hey, your eggs are done. Yeah, my eggs are done. um so when i was in college uh, i wrestled in college i wrestled in high school uh coming out of college or my senior year of college anyway i was dating a girl who i used to work at a club in woodbridge with do you remember club sleep yes i do okay so i used to work at club sleep in woodbridge new jersey uh and i was talking to this girl at the time she's like hey do you want to come try out for the challenge with me or the uh the real world and i was like sure why not? Right. Cause we had just started hanging out. We hadn't really slept together yet. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. She's like, we got to go. We had to drive up to Syracuse, New York. So I was like, Oh, give me some time alone with her. You know, this all work out. So we go up there, try out for the show. And a year to the day later, I'm on the show. Now the, I didn't, I was a finalist for Austin. Then they asked me to do Key West. I didn't make it to Austin. Then they asked me to do Key West. And at the time I had just started a job. I had a new girlfriend, like, I was like, yeah, this might not be the best business move for me. Um, so then they call me back for the challenge, and they're like, hey, listen, there's $250,000 on the line. You could win this. You're an athlete. It'd be a good opportunity for you. So I'm like, yeah, fuck it. When am I ever going to get this chance again, right? Now I'm 21 years old at the time. I'm like, yeah. So they're like, yeah, we'll fly you to Australia. You know, you compete for the show, and then when you're done, you're done. And I always thought I'd be a, a one and done. I thought, like, I'd be on the show once. I'm not that interesting. You know, I'm not the fucking crazy guy. I'm not breaking shit. I'm not banging a bunch of chicks. Um, 
And then I just kept getting invited back and back and back. And for, you know, the next eight plus years, I got to do some really cool shit. I did a ton of commercials with them. I did uh, some stuff with the Jersey Shore. So it was an exciting ride for a while. All right, so we got to take a quick break and talk about support for the Hollywood Raw podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Adam, you ever cut yourself while trimming, buddy? Uh, yes, dude, I have. Ever since I, uh, I started getting some uh, some... Some hair below. I uh, I was cleaning myself. I mean, dude, I'm a dude. It's the least thing I could do for the girl. She's, you know, and, and the least thing I could do for myself. Of course, I have. I've been abused down there. I've abused myself down there. I'm telling you, I thought my, I blame all the scars I have from the rabbi from my bris, but it's really just from me messing up while cleaning myself down there. Have, have, have you used this? Have you used Manscaped yet, dude? I actually used it. I broke it out. They sent us one. Um, and I, I actually really like it. Like, we can send random products, but this one is actually really, really good. And you know what I realized? Is I have PTSD from other trimmers. Like, legit. Like, I was going to do it. I'm like, oh, God, don't cut me. Oh, it works really well. <laughs> so they have this, like, third-generation trimmer feature, a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And I'm trust me. It doesn't cut you, which is the most amazing part. Yeah, the waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. Dude, this was the best part of the whole thing. I swear to God. I swear. I didn't think I needed a light on the end of a trimmer, but it was awesome. Really? I mean, it illuminates. Yes. And I don't like it's not like I'm trimming in a pitch dark bathroom, but it really helps out. And I, no joke, it, well, the light, best feature. It's good to know that light is a very important thing when it comes to trimming yourself below the waist. Uh, they've also upgraded to a 1,000 RPM motor with a quiet stroke technology. So listen, if you are hearing us speak right now, I want you to experience for yourself firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOLLYWOOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code Hollywood. Your balls will thank you. I didn't realize. So you never ended up doing the real world? No, never. So I didn't realize that you could be on the challenge without doing a show before. Well, it. I was on the first season of that whole. Fresh Meat? Yeah, Fresh Meat was like the first time they brought in new people to go against the old people. So it was a whole new cast of people. But in reality, it was all people that they had left over from like who didn't make it to or who were finalists on challenges and shit. It's so funny because like I feel that you became such a big part of that show that in my mind, you've always just been an OG on the show. I didn't realize that you came in kind of after that show had already been going. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh it was a cool experience, and it's like I got to do the best part. Like I, I think I would have done okay on a real world, but for me, it was the opportunity to just get out there and compete. You know, that was the fun part. And I tell everybody, I go, I, I'm glad I took the route I did because it didn't really dive. Like it's not just about the drama. It was, it was more about like, hey, could you compete? Could you win? And the the Johnny Bananas, me, Evan, error was we were the first ones to like. I would bring a TRX with me and bands and all this shit to like continue to work out. 
because there's really nothing to do. So that's how I got into training because I was loving it. And I was, you know, doing it all the time on the show and in between shows, in between filming and stuff. So for me, it was just the, uh, what I love to do even more than filming. So what was the audition process when you went to Syracuse, you you know, they have a little camera on and you talk to them. Do you remember the questions they asked you and were you, were you over delivering? Were you trying to go a little bit crazy to become a star on the show or what, what do you think? No. So that's the most interesting thing. So when I first got there, you know, there's three, 4,000 people online to try out for this. Right. And when I first got there, they, uh, they picked 12 or 15 people and they're like, all right, you guys, they'll bring you in in a group. You sit around this table with a um, like a casting director, and he's like, "All right, you guys have four minutes, so you know, start to impress me." So everybody's like, uh, "I'm closet gay. I haven't told my family yet, and I want to go." Um, yeah, like everything and anything you could think of, like just people throwing out the most. I've been sleeping with my uh, father's, uh, girlfriend for the pastor. And you're like, what the fuck? You guys are fucked up. I'm sitting back. Listen. <laughs> and I'm like, everybody's just coming out with the most outlandish, crazy shit. Right. Like I, I, I've been fucking electrocuting my testicles for the past five, three years. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck, I, I was just sitting back listening to everybody tell all these fucking crazy stories. And the dude, the casting director, I got, I, credit him to everything I've ever done on the show. He goes, what about you? I, I was like, I ain't got shit on these people. I was like, I am not that. F- uh, he's like, well, why are you here? I was like, well, I, I started talking to her. We haven't slept together. I thought this was a good opportunity to come up to Syracuse and maybe make something happen. I go, other than that, I, I really don't have shit. I'm, I'm not that interested. And he's like, okay. So he brings me in the back and then he gives me this like 20 page pamphlet of shit questions I had to fill out. After that, they bring you in a room. They do like five minutes on camera, and then they were like, "Hey, could you stay another night? We want to do uh, we want to do another interview in the morning." And that's kind of how it all unfolded. And then it was like, "Hey, well, if you don't hear from us in three months from now, don't worry, you didn't make the show." I got a call three months later. You know, I do another interview, and they're like, "Hey, we'll do another interview in three months. If you don't hear from us, don't worry about it." So like one of the last interviews I did was at a hotel at Newark Airport. They flew in. I guess they did a couple of interviews and then peaced out. Um, but that was the process. I mean, it was like interview after interview after interview. And I'm like, I'm really not that important of a guy. And then here I am, this, my uh, the last semester of my senior year. Um, and, you know, they're like, hey, here's all the paperwork. Fill it out. Tell your family. Tell your friends you're going to be gone. You're going to Austin for the next six months or three months. So I'm like, oh, shit, this is legit. And then right before New Year's, they were like, hey, unfortunately, we had to change uh, the cast a little bit and you're no longer on the show. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So and that's how it happened. And then six months later, they called me up to do the challenge. Did you ever watch the real world and go, damn, I wish I was there like that looked fun. Like Austin was a pretty fun season, right? I mean, that was, that's a cool city to be in. Yeah, I thought that was the last of the really uh, well now more than ever. I love Austin. Um, but uh, you know, I, I guess at the time I was pretty pissed off about it, but at, uh, but looking back, I'm like, fuck, no, I would not have loved to be in a house with, I mean, I guess it could have been fun, you know, but the challenges were the same shit. Now you get the, the cream of the crop all in one fucking house for two months, you know, beating the shit out of each other. Do you still keep in touch with the casting director? That one person that changed your life? 
I no, mean, I never even saw him again after that. Really? Yeah, never saw him again. I, I, I guess he still worked for Buna Murray at the time, but I never saw him. Did you ever run into that girl that you were hanging out yeah, with? Yeah, the girl at the club. Got you involved in this? Dude, she's from down by you. She's from like uh, like Union area. Is she? And she had hit me up. She's like, congrats, like afterwards on, I think MySpace was still a fucking thing then, right? Think- <laughs> It's 2005, so I'm, I'm dating myself here. Um, but yeah, I think she had hit me up. She's like, "Hey, congrats, blah blah." But we never really got to hang out afterwards. Do you have a Do you have a landline? What is that? No, it's my fucking. Uh, it's my food delivery service. Uh, <laughs> I was like, "Who the fuck has a landline anymore?" Ringing in their house. But this is New York, man. You got to buzz people. In. <laughs> Ken, Ken, by the way, is it has the most energy. He works. He's up. You know, he's hours is just his whole day is busy. He's the busiest guy I know from clients to just meetings to dealing with his his uh, his sponsors. It's he's insanely busy. How many how many cups of coffee have you had today already? And so right now, 1130 in the morning. I'm working on my third right now. Let me this. So this is I love this. Right. At Ralph's. Right. Uh, the Ralph Lauren coffee shop. Yeah. And it's like $17 for this cup, um, for this cup of coffee, but they have, uh, they put orange in it and they put a little tonic water and espresso and it's so good. I got to try that. Yeah. It sounds so weird, I, but I want to try it. Now. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's like a cocktail. It's great. So wait, so when you go, when you start with MTV, do you think, were they cool to you? Do you think they try to mold you into someone or something that you, that you weren't into? Do you think they try to create you? The whole Mr. Beautiful thing came out of me constantly doing interviews because they were like, it really made me think about what I wanted to do. And before that, like when I was in high school and stuff, if you asked me what I wanted, I wanted to be like a pro wrestler. So when I would do these interviews, I wanted to, I wanted to upplay them all the time and just be as fucking fun as possible with them. So I would do, uh, you know, like promos, like wrestling promos, like Rick Rude and fucking Mr. Perfect and shit. So that's where the whole Mr. Beautiful thing came from. And people are like, oh, fuck that. He calls himself Mr. Beautiful. I go, yeah. I go, because Mr. Wonderful and Mr. Perfect were taken already. Yeah. I loved I loved as a kid watching, you know, the banter. I mean, we do it all the time. We, we watch like old interviews with like Macho Man and Hulk Hogan and stuff. And you watch these guys and you're like, oh, my. I, I found it so entertaining and so cool. Yeah. Go interviews and start doing that. And they would love it. Like the directors and the producers loved it, you know, but like when they put it on TV, it made it look like I was some fucking jerk off. Like I'm just trying to be some like guy. I'm, I'm not. But I was I was trying to just overplay, like you know, just be over the top and fun with it. You're on television. It was it was cool. It was, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty honest with people. Like if you were on our team, you were on our team. If you weren't, you weren't. And we had to get rid of you. You know, what's interesting is you're not the first person to say that they they made themselves into a bigger personality. Mike, the situation said the same thing. He said, I copied my entire thing after The Rock. Mm-hmm. And so when he did Jersey Shore, he was like, I came in there with an over the top personality, played like I was a wrestler, you know, and had this this persona around myself and it's really what led him to be the situation. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny how much shit like wrestling can get from the general public, but like people gravitate to those personalities. Yeah. yeah. They want that. But look, I mean, listen, look who's done it so well. Muhammad Ali, you know, uh, 
what's uh, what's his name? Floyd. Floyd Mayweather, uh, the little Irish guy. Conor McGregor. Uh, Conor McGregor. Like that's what the people want to see. Half the population wants to see him win. Half the population wants to see him lose. And it doesn't matter who you are. You're invested because now you're like, I either love or hate this character. You know, and how you become a character is by being over the top and playing into those personality types. Listen, Hulk Hogan wouldn't have been what he was if it wasn't for the macho man being as bad as he was. Right? The 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 yin and the yang, the the protagonist and the antagonist in every storyline. Just you know, they both get as just as much attention. Like I love like the million dollar man. I wanted Hulk Hogan to kick his ass, but I loved watching the interviews and how they played into being this villain. You know, these guys weren't really like that. It's just entertaining to watch. So did you prepare for this before the show started? Did you go like, okay, I got to create some character. Also, I need to get in sick shape. Well, you're already in good shape because you're a wrestler and an athlete. But we're like, man, I have to, you know, and then come on the show. Like, here's going to be my strategy, especially on the challenge to start an alliance. No, because, you know, at the time, I think they still kind Mm -hmm. of fill these gaps in the show of like, all right. They need one girl, one guy, one gay guy, one black guy. You know, it was always like every cast, you could see the same stereotypes in each uh, casting. Um, so I go, I guess I would be the uh, the handsome guy. So I'm going to play up this role of like who I really wanted to be, you know, in the situation, in that, you know, situation. So I was just like, yeah, I'll be the villain. Right. Because I wasn't like. I'm, I'm not a goody two shoes. I'm not, you know, straight, you know, uh, straight edge or anything. So I was like, I'll be the villain. You know, I, I wanted to be the villain. Um, so I, I just played up that persona, but it was, it, it kind of just happened in interviews. You know, they would ask me about something. I'm like, the fucking guy sucks. He's a loser. You know? And they're like, why? I was like, well, cause he's not as handsome as I am. You know, it was like, I would just try to think of like, the, <laughs> That like Rick Rude would say, one of my favorite things to watch, I could watch it a million times, when he used to do that, uh, when he used to come out and take his robe off and just shit on the audience, right? <laughs> he would get just a big a pop as like the ultimate warrior. Like the ultimate warrior came out, didn't say any shit, beat the shit out of somebody and ran in the back. Rick Rude would go out there and talk about how handsome he was and he wasn't that good looking. Like I never really saw myself as this handsome guy, right? I was gr- growing up, I was a fat slob. You know, I was fat. I was out of shape. So when I got the opportunity to be on TV and stuff, I was like, yeah, I'm going to play up this role. Even when I was a kid, we used to do backyard wrestling all the time. And I always played like the handsome studly guy. Like I always wanted to be I was like Mr. Beautiful or Mr. Friday Night. Like I wanted to be that guy. And when I got on television, I guess some people are like, oh, he's an ugly fuck. And other people are like, well, he's not that bad looking. So he's probably just an arrogant asshole and i'm like no i just thought it was funny <laughs> did you did you and bananas and mark long did any any time that like you guys weren't filming did you get together and go this shit's working for us like let's right. let's amp it up like what can we do for the next season to really like blow it up even more yeah for sure like me johnny evan we hung out a shit ton like after shows we would hang out for a couple weeks at uh you know in thailand or um you know uh we were in argentina together so we would always hang out and then I'd go out to Johnny's. He would come out to my house. We'd hang out a shit ton. Um, and it was just what it was, what, what made our bond so strong was the loyalty we had to each other. You know, no, no matter what happened, no matter how bad the situation got that we were going to get sent home, we kind of stuck together and that kind of forged the relationships that we had throughout the show. Um, 
even when our chips were down, we we're like, all right, if we just stick together, we could get this done. And it worked out every time. You know, every time we were on a show together, we were winning. Who on the show? Obviously, Bana- uh, Bananas, Evan, Mark, they, you know, you guys are really strong guys. Who was the guy that when you went on the show, you're like, fuck, I'm not going to click with this guy. Like, we're just not on the same page. We're never going to become cool. We're, we're not going to be enemies, but we're just not cool. Yeah. Um, like, CT was like that. You know, everybody's always like, oh, he's the best. But like, he just didn't vibe with us. You know, he was never like a guy's guy. You know, I mean, it's the same thing happens, you know, when we're out in the field and we're working out. Me, you, it's just natural that we want to hang out. We want to bullshit and, you know, go have a drink afterwards or go get food. And then there's other people you just don't vibe with like that. And I try to vibe with everybody. I like, you know, obviously I love entertaining. I love having people around. I love making people feel like they're, you know, they belong to the group and then there's other times where it's just like you're pushing something that that's not really there yeah what was it about ct i'm sorry what was it about ct that like did he have a click or did he was you know because think about that he was the guy was on the show for five six years before i even got on the show and he had no buddies he had no boys like he, he had no like you know, they'd always call it like a bromance. They're like, oh, you and Evan or you and Johnny have a bromance. And like Derek would hang out with us all the time, too. Like I bullshit with Derek still. Um, and we kind of just vibed. We loved hanging out. We looked after each other. It was just like, you know, very like band of brothers type shit. Um, CT was never like that. You know, he's more of a loner. He always wanted to like, you know, he wanted to be a part of the group. At the same time, he also didn't want to. Like he, he did everything in his power to... Um, kind of ruin relationships, right? Like nobody really trusted him. If he made deals with people, he kind of backstabbed them. It was the same shit with like Wes. Like you don't come off the show and have no friends. I say that all the time to you, right? Like you get to 30 years old and you'll have like three people you could call in a crisis or call when you need something. You know, I, I think it's not the world that's an asshole. It's but, you. By the way, I was just thinking about this. Did Mark Long ever reach out to you about doing this like revamp of – coming back together with the, the OGs. Yeah, so he, he was hounding me for like, he's like, dude, send <laughs> me an interview. I need you to do this. I'm like, dude, I can't. It's just, it's not for me anymore. I, you know, that, that time has passed. And then he texts me maybe two, three weeks ago. And he's like, well, don't worry about it. Evan sent it to me. He sent me a bio and shit for you. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> So I guess my name is in the mix for this thing, but, uh, you know, he, he was hounding me for like two, three weeks and I'm like, I don't know if I could do this, dude. You know? I, I, yes, you could. That'd be awesome. Have, have you ever got any major injuries on the show? Cause some of this stuff looks fucking crazy that you guys. Yeah. Doing. I, I had some injuries from high school and college. You know, I have a herniated disc in my neck and you know, I, uh, I have a torn shoulder and a peck. Um, you know, I blew out my knee before. So like shit like that only got worse when I'm jumping out of fucking airplanes, hanging off shit, wrestling people in the fucking dirt. Um, but I mean, no, I mean, I've been lucky enough to not get too fucked up, but I've seen people really get banged up, you know, like bad. Um, you know, there was one, I remember when we were in, up in Canada and we were doing this event and we were like 40 feet in the air and you had to jump off this platform and jump onto a punching bag, right? And like hang, and then you had to like spin it so your partner could get on. And there was one girl who went up first, and she, you know, she was pretty athletic, right? And she runs up, she gets up there, and she goes to jump for the punching bag. And like I, I won this thing actually, 
and I reach and I grab the chain instead of grab trying to grab. <gasps> and well, I tore up my fucking hands, but she oh. hit a punching bag and hit it so hard that she flipped like twice in the air and landed on her back like four feet Ooh. in the air. Wow. They didn't have anything underneath. Water. Oh. Yeah. oh. And when I tell you she was like, <gasps> like they like had to drag her out of the water. Right? Oh. The, the way she fell, I was like, I think she's dead. Like <laughs> so hard, so hard. I was like, fuck. <laughs> and when you go on to do the challenge, does MTV just make you sign away like basically your life? If you die, your own there, fault on these shows? There are so many times I show up and I'm like, I really don't want you know, there's a morning after morning, like you're, they're getting you up at like five, six in the morning. Cause you got to drive to the middle of fucking nowhere to, you know, go and jump off something or, you know, dive to the bottom of the ocean. You're like, fuck, really? I'm not ready for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, even on a good day at four o'clock in the afternoon, I don't want to dive to the bottom no, of the no. ocean. Let alone four in the morning. What would you say was the worst activity you did? What was the one that stands out? Like, man, this is absolutely terrible. Was it the eating stuff or what was it? Yeah, the, uh, the eating's fucking miserable. I mean, there's no way to wrap your head around that. But there was one we had. A, you know what a deep dive sled is? It's like an air pressured anchor that like shoots you down into the water. But it shoots you down like 15 feet in three seconds. You know, and now, if you're not equalizing the right way, like your fucking ears start bleeding, your nose starts bleeding. There's so much pressure on your head. Oh. It's so painful. So that was one of the first shows I did. And the guy's like telling us, he's like, all right, make sure the stunt guy. He's like, all right, make sure you equalize. And I go, I don't think I could equalize that fast, right? Because it shoots you down so fast. Half the people didn't even do it. I think one or two people actually did it. Um, but it shoots you down so fast. And my ears were ringing and my nose was bleeding. And I was like, fuck, I think I really screwed up my head right now. So I, the rest of the time, we... Obviously, we took a boat out to the middle of nowhere, like 30, 40 miles out. And this was in Australia. And then for the rest of the trip home, because it's like a two-hour boat ride back, I was just laying there. I felt so nauseous, so sick. I, I swim to the bottom of the pool and my ears started hurting. I can't imagine going down to the, <laughs> the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> is there doctors there? Like, I mean, if you get hurt down there, is there? do you feel safe? Like, obviously, you could get very hurt. But do you feel safe that they take the proper precautions? Like, if you, what's, you know... They have like they have like Hollywood stunt teams and shit. But like, I mean, there could always go shit that could go wrong. Like there was one one of the last shows I did. We had to jump off this waterfall. I fucking I mean, I used to hate heights a lot, but I just started getting used to it because we would do it so much that I'm like, I'm standing on this platform. We had to like dive off this waterfall. And I'm like, if this thing snaps and there's only rocks below us, you know, I'm like, this is going to suck. I was like, I don't care if the best doctor in the world's here. He's not going to do anything for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy the budget they have for these shows. I'd rather have a great stunt team than a great doctor on staff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. And is it annoying when they come walking out? They're like, all right, here's your outfit for today. And it's a Speedo again. Yeah. You're like, God damn it, guys. Give me some fucking clothes to do this shit. We in. would always joke around about that. We were like, well, you know, it's, you know, a bunch of gay dudes who are running this show because. <laughs> We were getting up, and I was like, why are we doing this in a fucking banana hat? <laughs> <laughs> and every seat, fucking, my shorts got smaller, uh, the fucking Speedos got smaller and smaller. <laughs> I honestly think the best gig, and I don't know how he even got the job, is like TJ Lavin. Like, why of all people, of all the hosts out there, we're going to make this BMX guy the host of this show. And he's been on it for a long time. Like, to have, for, it's crazy. 
became buddies with the with the producers and stuff. They just loved him. Super easy to work with, super chill, you know, never an issue. Um, so he used to go and, you know, people loved hanging out with him. I like TJ. How, how about the fist fights? Have you seen some crazy fist fights on the show? And did they ever get really out of hand? Because on TV, they shake the camera. It looks crazy. Like someone throws a chair but always misses. But did you ever see people really land on fist fights? Yeah. Yeah, there have been some punches thrown. I mean, there's a lot of wrestling matches that get pretty pretty violent. Um, and there's some punches thrown. Like, I mean, I was there when uh, Darrell beat the shit out of uh, Brat. Oh, Yeah. And he, he was knocking the shit. Like, we're pulling him off. And I'm like, dude, this guy's trying to kill him. Like, and he was fucked up from it. Like, his head was all swollen. His face was all fucked up. That was that was a bad night. How much sex is going on on this show? That's what I like. You see some on camera where they run off and, you know, like, you kind of catch them at the last second. But, like, when the cameras aren't around, how much is really going on? Not as much as you think. You know, there's people who end up, like, you know, hooking up on the first night. And then they'll kind of do that throughout the show. And they love that shit. They want people to be hooking up and stuff. But for the most part, it's, I, I don't know, I've never been there where somebody's just getting tossed around. Like somebody's like, oh, she's banging this guy tonight. And then he's going to bang some other guy. It's like, that rarely happens. I've never really been around that. that. But were you like walking in on like a couple or anything? Because I feel like that's what happens. It's like, there's like one couple on the show that like can't keep their hands off each other. And then like, you don't get alone time. Yeah, I think there's almost in every season, there's always like one couple that's together and they're always fucking banging and stuff. But you're definitely not in the environment to be like, oh, yeah, this is great. I want to fucking bang. You're, you know, everybody's at each other's throats. It's, it's never a good situation. And, but it's always the guys who like are so happy that they're getting laid for the first time ever that they're like, yeah, let's bang. Yeah. They're <laughs> yeah. Fucking pool. It's you know. How much drinking is going on? Like, are you like at night? Is everyone just wasted at night, or like, or are you trying to be strategic? Like, I'm not going to get wasted. Like, the, guys, I would never drink. I I treat it like uh like a job. You know, I was like, I, I got to go. I got to do my job. I got to make my money and get the fuck out of here. But there were other people. Yeah, they'd be fucking getting wasted every night, drinking all the time. You know, and that's where a lot of that's where a lot of the problems stemmed from. You know, is people would drink and they use that as an excuse and who's popping pills and doing all this other shit um, where it became a problem, you know, and they started dying our alcohol. Like when I first got there, it was a shit show. You know, 2005, you could drink your face off. People were bringing whatever they wanted as far as drugs. We'd be at, you know, you could take a car into any city we're in, you know, when we're in Australia or wherever we were. People would go and buy drugs, you know in bars and clubs and shit like that. Um, you know, and prescription medications were a big thing. Um, but you know, I, I don't do any of that shit. So, so being a part of this franchise, you've obviously got to travel all over the world. So what's mm-hmm. like, and I know your situation might be different. You don't get to exactly it, you know, experience these places every time, but like, what would you suggest is like the best place to travel to and maybe like the worst place to travel to? Um, I really love Thailand. I thought that was great. I think the, I, I love the culture. I love the, the people there. Um, and then, uh, I really liked South Africa. I really liked Australia. Um, you know, I mean, there was beauty in each one, but I guess like, cause I, I've been so many times like Mexico, you know, we went to like Puerto Vallarta, which you're like, eh, you know, it, it's, it's no Tulum. That's for dinner. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it's like a waste. 
you know, when you when you get the the itinerary, it's like, all right, you're flying here. You're like, oh shit, this is cool. Uh, like even when they told us we were going to Canada, I'm like, why the fuck are we going to Canada? What the hell's in Canada? And we went to British Columbia. We were up in Whistler. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite shows. It was probably the nicest house I've ever lived in. You know, all the he- floors were like heated. You know, it was this massive, beautiful log cabin. It was an unbelievable home. I think they said at the time it was like ten million dollars. And will they? And then will they let you extend your trips if you want to? Yeah, I mean, you can't stay in that house, but like a lot of time, if you if you get sent home early, you can't. But if you want to stay and you won the show, or you were like one of the last contestants, then yeah, you could stay. Like I stayed in a five star hotel in Phuket, Thailand, for like thirty five dollars a night. So how much? Actually, how much money did you walk away from winning at MTV? I think my winnings came to almost three hundred thousand. Three hundred thousand. You're how old at the time when you have that? Uh, I was probably 28 by the time I was done. 28. That's 20. awesome. That's insane. So, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, what did you spend your money on, dude? The dumbest shit: wrestling rings and fucking <laughs> motors. <laughs> Dumb, stupid shit. Like when I look back, I'm like, yeah, I guess it was fun. Like I here, for instance, I came back from a, a, a gig I did in like Missouri or something. I flew into Philadelphia. It was the middle of the summer. Uber and shit wasn't a thing yet, right? Again, talking about how old I am. Uh, I took a cab from Philadelphia Airport to Jenkinson's, right? And blew, the, I made like two grand that weekend or three grand. I blew it all at Jenkinson's. Like <laughs> on drinks at a shitty bar on the Jersey Shore. I think I remember seeing you there that night too. I was like, who? Oh man, that tall guy is fucking going crazy at Jenks. I would literally, I'd be like, Shots for everybody at the bar. Like, <laughs> so funny. And how long is the taping when you do like a challenge? How long was that for? It depends. Some were like six weeks, some were five weeks, some were eight weeks. You know, it depends on where you were, how long it took us to get there, all that shit. So if you don't win the show, do you still get compensated? Because that's quite a long time to not be working or doing anything else. That's what's crazy to me. So I used to take off of work. I used to work at Port Mark at the time and I would take off of work to go and film shows and i'm like all right i gotta get back to work i don't have time for this shit um but like you start winning and i'm like i got a good chance of winning this thing i might as well stay and do my thing um so i stayed and you know made some cash um so but yeah i mean a lot of people had nothing to go back to so but if you but if you don't win do you still get paid something to be on the show yeah so, so you got paid, like, depending on how long you, you – you got a flat fee. Like, towards the end, we would get a flat fee just to show up. And then if you made it to a certain point, you got, like, a bonus and shit. What about – like, I always wondered that. Like, they, they film so many seasons of the show. What do people do when the show's not filming? Like, how are people able to take off? Like, everyone there, how are they able to take off time to from their jobs to just go do that show? Like, how do they make money? Like, what do you, how do you live? Adam, how many times have we talked about this that, like – it doesn't make any sense how people survive this day and age where everything's so expensive. You know, you know, you have to have multiple incomes to do anything nowadays. And so many people have nothing going on. I don't know what they do. I, I don't know if people are prostitutes or something on the side or, you know, their only fans wasn't a thing back then. So I don't know what they were doing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I knew some people were like worked at Hooters. No one had a real job. No one went home and was like, oh, yeah, I'm a contractor. You know, I'm, a, I'm an attorney. Nobody had jobs like that. Yeah. Well, that's 
I mean, you, so, but you were able to like really monetize. I think you, Bananas, Evan, you guys got to like get paid to go do spring break in like Cancun, right? And do like these, like, it was really popular for you guys. To, I mean, at that time, I guess people were paying you guys to go do events at clubs and teen nights and all that shit, right? Dude, I did a ton of that shit. Yeah. And how was that experience? We were kind of like the last of that generation. You know, yeah. Mark Wong and those guys kind of kicked that off. And then I, me, Evan, Johnny, I think Johnny still does it, but like, you know, he's relevant because he's got multiple shows, but the rest of those people, I don't think anybody gives a fuck. How, how has Johnny been so damn successful on that show? Like what is, what's the magic for him? I think he just owned it. He, he became the guy on that show. He was, you know, he became the most popular person. He's won a bunch of times. He was the goat. Listen, I said this, uh, a couple times in interviews before people always ask me, they're like, how, how, what did he do? I'm like, he just owned the show. Like he wanted to be the guy, like no one cared more than Johnny did. Eight slept and breathed the show, you know? So for, to, to watch him succeed and do what he's done with his career, I'm, I'm super happy. How, and then can you, what can you say about how your time sort of ended? Cause it ended abruptly and knowing you as a friend, as a guy, it's all fucking, it's just, it's insane because, you know, it, what can you tell us about that? Uh, well, I can't really dive into it too much, but, you know, you know you've know you known me long enough. You, you, know, you know the story. Um, people want to believe what they want to believe and uh, kind of end it the way it did. It was kind of shitty because if I look back on the show and like what it's done for my life and my career and everything like that, you know, it's been like everything else in life, it's a, it's a catch 22. It's a, a yin and a yang there. There was, I look back and I'm like, Oh, it's so much fun. It was great. I couldn't imagine where I would have been had I, that have not happened. Um, but at the same time, it was, I look back and I appreciate what I got to do and you know, the, uh, the things that I got to uh, experience. Um, but yeah, that was, that, that always kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. That's why I, when Mark was asking me about doing the show and stuff, I'm like, I don't really want to fucking go and dig this bullshit back up. It's really not worth it. Because, you, I mean, we see it every day now, right? You see it every day with, like, cancel culture and stuff that people just want to see people fail. It's so sad. It's like I live in a world now where I love seeing my clients succeed. I love seeing my clients uh, become better. I love seeing, watching people win, you know? And But there's this whole subculture of people that – don't want to see anybody win you know they don't want to see people do well and if they could get ahead by shitting on somebody else then that's what they do so how did this all lead to what you do now as a trainer strong new york how did that come about and working with the ladder program yeah it was it was just it was what i was doing when i was off the show and like what i enjoyed doing i said to myself one day i'm like there's nothing i love more than being in the gym so i wanted a job where i was in the gym yeah and and you know, one thing led to another and I started to really enjoy it. Um, and it was tough for a couple of years, like the first three to five years. That's when people are like, oh, I'm just going to become a trainer because that's easy and blah, blah, blah. For the first three to five years, even, you know, every year. I mean, it's like any other career. Like when this all fell apart, I'm like, fuck, what am I going to do? How am I going to make money? What what's the next step? And then, you know, you just kind of figure it out like any other job. I think we're all going through the same shit. But it took me a while to build a following and kind of get underneath the get out from underneath the rock of being a an MTV guy and being a trainer. 
Yeah, and I got to be honest, Dax. I mean, I've known Kenny for a long time now to see him become such a such a successful trainer because he started as a trainer in Equinox, had some clients there, and then went to other gyms, tried building gyms, you know, learned from failure, learned from from success, and now created a brand strong New York and is working with a company called Ladder and has brands that asked they want Ken to be a part of he's got he's created a very very cool community within New York City so as a friend I'm very proud of him but it's just insane to see what he's done Kenny I want to say thank you because I have to look at Adam all the time and you're finally getting him into shape so thank you for helping me out we're trying to get the bod to match the face because the face is 11 and a half yeah, I am now a finally. I'm finally a, a a solid six. For I was like, hey, he could maybe be a six. Now I'm a solid six. So, but it's pretty cool what he's created and to see him the the journey he's done with that with Ladder and Strong New York and now like have clients that like just and you can see how happy he is doing it. Like he generally enjoys doing it. He enjoys community. So it's it's pretty cool. So make sure you follow Kenny at Kenny Santucci. You can follow him on all the social media platforms on Instagram on Facebook. Book. He does his own workout routines. His work, he has his own workout programs. Uh, you can follow that at Ladder. Check him out on Ladder. Uh, he also has a brand, Strong New York, which is he has his own merch and it's really cool stuff. And it's uh, it, he has all these cool drops. They just did their October drop. Kenny, is there anything I'm missing out on? No, buddy. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're doing. Uh, we're working. I'm working with Michelob. Obviously, I've been working with them for about four or five years. We're doing this virtual 5K on November 15th. So if people want to still sign up for that, that we're we're still doing that. And you can do it from anywhere. Doesn't cost anything. It's just trying to get people out there, getting them moving. If you need advice on training and fitness, Kenny is very good in the DMs. Like he he's 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 in. He comes from a place of value. So he just wants to help people. Kenny, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. I'll see you later, bud. Guys, thank, thank you. you so much. I, I love these type of interviews. I love just like I'm such a fanboy. You know what's so cool? So I've you know, if you're it's your first time listening, I've known Kenny for a long time. We hang out probably every day. I was you know, we say, work every out day together. You guys are like together We're hanging out. Sick I would say about me and Kenny are together just about six days a week. So we hang out together, we eat together, we walk around together. We're we're like two of the guys like you know, most people in New York City have real jobs. I don't have a real job. <laughs> Kenny, you know, he has a real job, but also he has flexibility. I, like, I'll go with Kenny as he has a client and I'll talk to him and just go hang out with him as he has a client just because, like, we're just buds like that. Um, so we hang out a lot of time. But it's, like, it's cool because, like, I so when Kenny first, like, kind of got done with the challenges, he was working as, like, a liquor salesman. He was selling alcohol to bars. So he'd be like, Adam, want to call me to this bar? And I'm like, I got to go meet a client. I'm like, all right. So I would just go hang out with him and talk. And then he became a trainer. And I would go, he would hook me up. I would go work out at Equinox. And he hooked me up at Equinox and be able to work out with him and to work out with us. He's, I mean, first of all, he's a beast in the gym. So I was able to, like, go and have some really good workouts with him, which was great. And then, um, he started his, his own his own clients and started at different gyms. So I would just kind of work out with him. Like, he's just a fun guy. So it's crazy to see what he has. And he's very happy what he's doing. But one of the cool things he did, he one time when he was a liquor salesman, he threw a party. And it was like 
I've been to some pretty cool events. I'm not going to lie. But one of the coolest events was was when he threw this party and it was like all the MTV people were there. And I was fanboying out so hard because like it was everyone from the challenge, you know, and there was the Tanya's and all like the the CTs of them. And I'm like, oh, my God, it felt like I was on the real world because it was the whole bar was there was more people like alumni of the show than people at the bar. So it was just very, very surreal for me to be at this bar. So it was really fun for me to be like, oh, my God, there's tap. It, it was just it was so weird. There's do Cyrus. You, I was freaking out. Do you out. find it hard to interview such good friends? Because I find that some of the people that we've had on here that I know really, really well, it's almost harder to interview them because I'm like, I already know a lot of the answers, but I'm asking them for the sake of the audience. I, I do and I don't. Like, Kenny's probably the closest person I've had on the podcast as a friend on the show. So, but these are questions like we don't really talk about this stuff, but like once in a while we'll talk about this shit. But you could tell the excitement. You know, this was, you know, he was on the show years ago and it was a big part of his life. And you would think people like this are sick of telling these stories, but, you know, guys like him are happy to talk about this stuff because it was, a, it was really cool for them. When they look back, it's a time for them to reflect. On that mo, on the, those years of life, that was a very, very insane, cool experience. Now, something that we didn't really get into is how he kind of ended on the show. Dax, do you know the story? I don't really know the story now. So, I, I, it's actually funny. Me and Kenny were friends, and all of a sudden, a story came out on a website and said that Kenny, that Tanya, who was on the show, Tanya was suing Beanum and Murray, MTV, and Evan and Kenny, saying that they were put like pens in her vagina when she was sleeping. What? Dude, it's such like a crazy thing. And uh, knowing those guys, I know Evan very well. I know Kenny very well. It's not, it's like something like, what are you talking about? It's so ridiculous. Like, what are you saying? And she sued them, and MTV went to him and said, don't worry about it. Like, Kenny's like, should I get a lawyer? Like, he reached out and was like, no, no, we're going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. Just stay quiet. And, you know, what happens a lot of times with these big companies, they just settle. It's more it's better for them just to pay yeah, them it's less money for them, because if they go, if they go on, it's going to cost them two million dollars. And they're like, exactly. Just shut up and go away. It's less money for them to just pay them just to shut up and just kind of be quiet and just put it away. And that's what they did. But because they did that, and part of the deal was Kenny was never allowed to be on those shows again. He was never allowed to be on the challenge again. And he was now he was not allowed to be part of the Bunim and Murray production company. And it affected him because it's kind of like a skid mark on his resume. And it's like, dude, I did none of that. And he wasn't really properly defended during it. And obviously, he can't really say much about it because of the deals you sign. He can't get sued. So it's a really, really shitty situation. Um and it kind of really affected his life. Uh, unfortunately, he was able to get out of it in a really good way. Um, but Tanya, the girl who you know sued allegedly, mm-hmm. well, no, she sued. And it's not even alleged. She sued. She had some issues. I mean, she was doing softcore porn. I think she allegedly, now I'll say allegedly, she had drug issues. I mean, this girl was off her rocks, clearly. So it just sucks that this whole thing happened and left a sour taste in his mouth. But fortunately for him, he's got, you know, a strong group of friends, he's got a strong group of fans, strong group of supporters, and he also has loyal brands that are are love what he does and still want to be involved with him. So good for him. Make and sure you check him out. Most importantly, yeah. he has you, Adam. Yes, of course, <laughs> Dax. Of course. So this is a uh, yeah, we're buds. But uh, uh, that was good. That was fun. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast because if you do that, you can win prizes. And also, we got some really, really cool guests coming up. I mean, 
huge guess. Huge guess. Like this is. <laughs> huge it, it, ah, I'm so it, excited. This is very exciting for us. This is one person that like nobody's gotten. And uh, I'm very, very curious about this person. I don't want, I'll leave it as that. Um, so make sure to like and subscribe to the page. That's the best way you could do support the podcast because it helps out in the algorithm realistically. You can find me at the at, iTunes Adam page. Let me be real. Let me be more specific. Go okay. like and subscribe on iTunes because it yes. helps us big time with the algorithm. So that's just the truth behind the scenes of it. Yeah, you can find me at, at Adam Glynn, G-L-Y-N. You can find Dax Holt at, at Dax Holt, H-O-L-T. You can find one of our advertisers. Uh, make sure you check out Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped. Thank you, Sun River Botanicals. And we'll see you guys next time. Ahura Media Production.